Blog Talk Radio. Putting on the wrist Our God is an awesome God There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist Our God is an awesome God And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood His return is very close and so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God
Thank you, mighty God. We thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love that endure forever, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, your mercy, that endure forever, Lord. You are so good. You are so awesome, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, because you are the one, Lord, that makes everything possible. Without you, there's nothing we can do, Lord, and I thank you, Jesus, mighty Lord, mighty God. Hallelujah. Well, shalom, shalom, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Lord's Hour. I hope the Lord uh, speaketh to your life for this program. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Um, thank you, Jesus. If you can hear me, and if you can type one in the chat room, I will appreciate it. Thank you, mighty Lord. Hallelujah. We we had such a, a wonderful program last night, brothers and sisters. I thank the Lord for his love and mercy that endure forever. And I said last night that um, I was going to continue, hallelujah, with a hallelujah, with the message, having a pure heart for the coming of Jesus. It's just so important, brothers and sisters. We have a pure heart, hallelujah, for the coming of the Lord. It's something, hallelujah, that's been taken for granted, hallelujah, by many. But it's in the word of the Lord. If we want to see the Lord, the Bible says in Matthew 5 eight, hallelujah, bless are the pure in heart, for they shall see the Lord. That, that's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. Being ready as a bride of Christ. For the coming of Jesus. That's what this is all about. That, hallelujah. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for the coming of Jesus. For the rapture. That's the coming of Jesus. The rapture, hallelujah, is the coming of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we want to be ready. We want to be ready. Thank you, Lord, for his coming. We're going to go into his word. And we are going to continue with this Bible study having a pure heart for the coming of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we said, hallelujah, about the heart, that with the heart we we hear, we believe, we listen, we communicate, we talk with God, we obey with the heart. We keep God's commandment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And with the heart, we, we are pure in heart. With the heart, become pure, holy, righteous before God. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what we need to have in these last days, brothers and sisters. And also, from the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaketh. Everything we are to be comes out of from the heart. One of the things that I share in Spanish earlier is that in heaven, when I was taken, I remember one, one of the rapture revelations. The church was already in heaven this time. And what I noticed is that what, what was in our heart it's how we look, a garment in heaven. If we were pure in heart, our garment looked pure in heaven. That was a mighty revelation I received in heaven from the Lord. However we were on earth, if we were pure, if our heart was pure on earth, and we were raptured, when we went to heaven, brothers and sisters, our heart was also pure. And that amazed me, that revelation of the Lord about the heart. Our heart indicates to God, or indicates to everybody, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, 
pureness, hallelujah, holiness, and so much more that our heart represents, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And also, hallelujah, the heart ages, hallelujah. Psalm 24, 24 4. He that has a clean hands and pure heart, who has not lifted his soul unto vanity, nor sore deceitfully. You see, who will inherit the kingdom, who will be with God? And if him or she, him, the Bible says him, hallelujah, and pure in heart. You and I need to be pure in heart. This is very important to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You can persist, you can pursue the Lord, and as you hear the word, it will make your heart pure. But you yourself cannot make your heart pure. It has to be done with the Lord, the blood of Jesus. Proverbs 29, who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure for my sin. That is a lie. That is a deceit, is what Solomon is saying. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. You want to have favor with God? You want to have favor with Jesus? Listen to Proverbs 20. Thank you, Lord. 22, 11. He that loved pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king to be his friend. You want to be friend of God like Abraham, brothers and sisters? Hallelujah. You want to be friend with God? You need to seek. You need to ask the Lord to purify your heart. I thank you, Lord. That's what Proverbs 22, 11 says. Oh, I thank, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Timothy 1, 5. Now the aims, the alms of the commandment is charity of our pure heart. Charity means love. Love of a pure heart with good conscience and with faith unfeigned. Oh, I thank you, Lord. If you don't want it unfeigned in these last days, you want to ask the Lord to purify your heart. This is very important in these last days. You don't want it unfeigned. You want to remain firm in the Lord with a pure heart is where you need to be. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 2.22. Free also young for lust, flee also from young for lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, which is love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of the pure heart. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. You see that if you are pure in heart, you are very valuable to God. God hears you. He wants to be your friend if you have a pure heart. You don't have a pure heart. Praise the Lord. You will not have that relationship with God that you're looking to have. It's very important, brothers and sisters, according to the word of God I'm reading, that we have a pure heart. Again, Second Timothy 2.22, flee also for, for young for lost, but follow righteousness, faith and charity, which is love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, he's only asking you to be friends with those that have a pure heart. He's not telling you to be friends with everybody. But with those that have a pure heart, God only has a relationship or a friendship with those that have a pure heart. That's what it says in the Word of God. Those are the ones we want to have a relationship or a friendship with. Oh, God is so awesome. Everything that we need to know, brothers and sisters, it's in His Word. Hebrews 10:22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled. 
hallelujah, from evil conscience, hallelujah, in our body, wash with pure water. Hallelujah. The water is a representation of the Holy Spirit. You want to have more of the Holy Spirit? Ask God to give to, to give you a pure heart, to purify your heart. And what shall you have more of the Holy Spirit? I thank you, Lord. It's very important that we have the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, in these last days, very, very important that we have more of God, more of the Holy Spirit in these last days. And the only way is, and if we ask, if we ask the Lord every day to, to cleanse our heart with his blood, Hallelujah. And to purify with his fire. Watch how God does that in our life. When we ask from all of our heart, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, amen. Amen. It is so powerful, brothers and sisters. It is so powerful when it's from the heart. When we pray from the heart, there's nothing more and more powerful, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. When we pray from the heart. Listen to this. Second Samuel 7.27. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hath revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee the house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray prayer unto thee. Why did God listen to his prayer? Hallelujah. Why did God listen to David's prayer? First of all, he had a pure heart. And second of all, he, hallelujah, prayed for his heart. There's nothing more powerful than praying from your heart. You can pray with your lips. Hallelujah. But you can also believe with your heart. That's what we talked about last time. If you have not followed this message since last nine, you need to go back, brothers and sisters. Today is Sunday. I started a Saturday. You need to go back and listen to this message from the beginning and then follow what we're talking about because we talked about the heart of belief. Hallelujah. One of the... Uh, 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 hallelujah, one of the things that you can accomplish for your heart is believe in your heart, and nothing is more powerful than that too. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to believe with our heart. Thank you, Lord. First King 8.38. What prayer or supplication soar be made by any man, or, hallelujah, or thy people Israel? So who shall know every man of his own heart and spread out for his hands Toward his, this house. This is Solomon praying to God. Anyone who came to pray from their heart, that God would answer. And God that said after that, yes to Solomon. If they come and humble themselves, brothers and sisters, and if they come from the heart, God was going to answer their prayer. That's why we pray, but we need to pray from our heart. When it means from the heart, it means sincere. When, when you do something from your heart, to anyone or for anyone, it will be sincere. It will be honest. If it's only from your lips, it is honest. But if when it's from your heart, it's from your inner being, from your sincere part, your heart. I thank you, Lord. Your heart can be deceitful. We're going to talk about this. That's going to be like the third teaching, that the heart can be deceitful. I don't know if we'll have time tonight to talk about how deceitful the heart can be. But if you are in the Word, if you are in the Word, that cleanses our heart, brothers and sisters. If you are in the Word, that cleanses our heart, that purifies our heart, the Lord does this through His Word. Now you are cleansed because of the Word I have spoken, Jesus said. If you speak from your heart, if you believe in your heart, the Word cleanses you, brothers and sisters. 
Thank you, Lord. And then you know you are in the truth because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the truth. And once you are in the truth, hallelujah, your heart cannot deceive you in the truth. It can deceive you in the lie. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. And, and if you are in the lie, that's when your heart can deceive you. But in the truth, praise you, Lord. We're going to study this by the word of God. Again, we're going to stand on the word. And everything we say, brothers and sisters, is going to be done by the word. We're going to do this study by the word. It's very important. We stand on the word. We do it by the word, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah, because the word of God is the truth. Heaven and earth will pass, says the Lord. But my word will not pass. If we stand on the word, his word, brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. His word will not pass. Thank you, Jesus. It is very important that, hallelujah, we stand on the word, especially on these last days. We are in the last day, brothers and sisters. We are in the last day. We are at, at the return of Jesus, brothers and sisters. The Lord is going to return any day. So our heart needs to be ready for the Lord. That's very important. Thank you, Jesus. First King 9, 3. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And that my eyes and my heart should be there perpetually. Anything you do with your heart for God, as God get involved in your life, God's heart will be on everything you set your heart for the Lord. Oh, it's not awesome. Solomon set his heart for God's house, for God's kingdom. As he set his heart for the house of the Lord, he set his heart for God's kingdom, for God's kingdom. And God's heart is in his kingdom, brothers and sisters. It is in his work. It is in, the, it is in his word. It is in the fulfillment of his word. That's where God's heart is. Lord, cleanse my heart with your blood and your holy and your holy fire, Lord Jesus. Mighty Lord, I repent of my sin and my transgression. Please cleanse my heart with your blood, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy water also. Water of the Spirit, Lord, and your holy fire in Jesus. As you set your heart for God, God also set his heart for you. Is what God is saying to Solomon. You see, as your heart as you give God your heart, God gives you his heart also. I thank you, Jesus. You cannot be more dedicated than God, in other words. You dedicate your life. You dedicate your heart for God. God will dedicate his heart for you and everything he is. Oh, thank you, Lord. I hope God is speaking to you. I hope he is because he's already speaking to me. I thank you, Lord. God. Wants your heart. But it's not just for the final being. God wants your heart because God wants to give you his heart. Isn't uh, he talking to us as a bride? How can he say he loves you and not give you his heart? When God says for you and I to love him and give our heart to him, 
It is because he also has the same plan for you, for him to love you and give his heart to you and I. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful, brothers and sisters? As you give your heart to the Lord, he also gives his heart to you. Brothers and sisters, hallelujah. God is not going to ask you to do something for his kingdom, to do something for him that he has not planned to do it for you a much greater, because greater is him. Uh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I hope God is speaking to your life tonight. We started last night. This message started so powerful last night, and it'll continue tonight. I thank you, Lord. Lord, speak to us, Lord. Reveal your word to us, Jesus. Reveal your revelation, the revelation of your word. Speak to the need of your people, Lord. We bind those strong men and all hindering spirit for Lord to southeast west up and down in Jesus' name. Send billions and trillions of angels, Lord, to clean out the air, everyone home, everyone life. My home, my life, my husband. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Demons are running. They are running. They are running, Lord, every life. Let it be under the blood of Jesus. My life, body, soul, and spirit. This hour, north to south, east to west, the air, north to south, east to west, up and down in Jesus' name. Yeshua name. Jehoshua name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Mighty Jesus, mighty Yeshua, mighty Lord. I put my heart into this message tonight, Lord. Let my heart be in this message. Let the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be in this message, Lord. Speak to the need of our life, Lord Jesus. The Lord wanted me to bring this message. The Father wanted me to bring this message. This message is very important to God because God wants you to give him, give him your entire heart. When you give God your entire heart, you give him your entire heart. Life, because what is in your heart is what is hidden and is what is going to be manifest. Oh, I thank you, Lord. That's exactly what I saw in heaven. A people's heart was on earth when they went to heaven and the rapture. However, their heart was before God. That's exactly what they were manifesting in heaven. There is nothing hidden. The heart is. No one knows what's in other men's heart. No one knows by God what is in people's heart. There is nothing hidden that will now be made manifest. Your heart, your life, is going to be made manifest when you go home in the rapture. Get ready. I saw that in heaven. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Listen to the Apostle Paul now. Romans 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire in prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He, he was one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul, this man gave his heart entirely to Jesus. So was his life. That's why if you give your heart, you give your life to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, his heart was for the kingdom completely. As he knew, as he desired his heart for people, men to be saved anywhere, so his desire in his heart 
was also for the nation of Israel to be saved. Praise the Lord. But he was not going to see that, you know. Not on earth. Heaven, yes, but not on earth. Brothers and sisters. But we are about to see one of the greatest desires of the apostle and the apostle's heart. The salvation of Israel. Israel will be restored in the fullness. We will see that also from heaven because the bride of Christ going home in the righteous. We will see that from heaven. The fullness of the the fullness of Israel, where the Bible said, and of Israel shall be saved. I thank you, Lord. That's one of the greater desire the Apostle Paul had in his heart. And he's going to see that from heaven. Brothers and sisters, there will be people staying behind in the tribulation that will see that also. The bride of Christ is not going to see that from, from, from earth. They will see it from heaven. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, God is going to answer people's hard petition. He's going. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can believe with your heart, but you can also hearken your heart. The word of God teaches us. Mark 16, 14 says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they said, I said, said unto me, and they embraced them for their, unbe- for their unbelief, hardness of heart, because they believe now those who have seen him after he was risen. I thank you, Lord. Jesus, my goodness, was he surprised. Well, now he knows everything. But the, their unbelief, brothers and sisters, was incredible. Thomas did not believe. Everything he told them. I mean, we can spend years here preaching the word. And I, like I was saying before, in, in the Spanish program, we have seen healing, such a crazy healing in a part of the group of the people. Hundreds of people have received healing in the two, almost three years Spanish program that we had on the year. And then hundreds and thousands of healing here in the Lord's Hour since 2012. Why is it that a group of people can receive healing, can receive miracle? Can, can we see blessing? Can we see so much, the salvation of the family? Brothers and sisters, the risen of the dead, I was sharing about a mother in the Spanish program who had in Argentina, a Chilean, sorry, Chile, her son in the hospital, she sends, sends me an email and said, Brother Elby, Pastor Elby, will you, will you pray with us? My son is dying in the hospital that God will heal my son. I said, dear sister, yes, I will only ask you and your family to begin to fast and to begin to pray. Yes, we are already fasting, but we're going to come in agreement. I said, let's come in agreement, and I'll do this with the family to believe God to heal your son. I thank you, Lord. It did not pass a week or two. Until God visited his son in the hospital of the Lord and healed his son. It was so astonishing what the Lord did when his son got up from the bed in the hospital, healed completely. The doctors and the nurse could not believe what God did in this young man. Who, the doctor, two, three doctors who, who checked him said he was going to die within a few days. And God healed him. 
and raised him up, brothers and sisters. And he has been healed since that day a few months ago. I thank you, Lord. That was one of the greatest miracles I've seen through the Lord's Tower. I've seen this in person several times. Several times. But on the Lord's Tower, these healings were another system we saw in the Lord's Tower. The Lord's Tower is in Spanish. We, we saw one here on the Lord's Tower in English. And then here on the Lord's Tower in Spanish. One of the greatest healings I've seen that always marvels me. Because once a person is considered dying, there's no way the person is, the, the body of this young man, 19 years old, so weak, no strength, no vital, nothing that will indicate he could live, brothers and sisters. This three doctor had checked his body, the body of this young man, and had said it was nothing they can do for him. And the Lord healed him. And he's still alive. He's still healed to this day. Over what, two and a half months now? Brothers and sisters. His mother written to me again and told me that his son is still fine. He's still healed. He was mute. He could not speak. The Lord also healed his voice. He can speak also. Brothers and sisters, this, I rejoice so much for the mother, the family. This, this, that was this one, one of the greatest healings we ever seen this year in 2016, brothers and sisters. My goodness, brothers and sisters. We, just, we, just, we did have another family. Who had another loved one, that, uh, another the, the wife of a brother, listener of the Lord's Tower, who was here in the hospital also. Incredible things we've seen. Praise you, Lord. But I tell the people, how come we have a group of people can receive healing, deliverance, salvation, hallelujah, uh, God providing miraculous in a mighty way? Other people that are still doubting, that are still uh, under unbelief, unbelief, are not going to receive. Unless they repent out, unless they repent and believe, and God will do the miracle. Remember, hallelujah, faith don't need any help. Faith don't need any help. To those that believe, Jesus said, all things are possible. The only one that needs help is unbelief. That's why that man, when he brought his son to Jesus, and he asked the Lord to heal his son, and Jesus asked him if he would believe. He says, Lord, Help my unbelief. He didn't say, he did not say, God, help my faith, like some people have said. He said, help my unbelief. You see, the weak unbelief is the one that he helped, not the strong. You don't understand what I'm saying. We need to have faith in the Lord, brothers and sisters. Have faith in his word. Proclaim it. Declare the word. Believe the word. Don't spend time on the unbelief. Don't spend time on the doubt. Repair these things. Rebuke these things. Work by faith and not by sight. I thank you, Lord. Some people are asking, what are you still doing? Believing. What do you think I'm doing? I am believing. Thank you, Lord. My faith is not there. It's a lie. I'm waiting on the Lord is what I'm doing. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Seeing and hearing people being healed and delivering, hallelujah. There's nothing greater than that. The salvation of people's soul that goes on through these messages when they put it on the internet, on YouTube, every week. There's nothing greater than that than people being saved. I don't know what you think is greater. I honestly don't know what people think. But I don't know what you think is greater than souls being saved. 
is greater. Then so being saved, then people being delivered, then people being healed, then people repenting to come to come home with Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. Thank you, Lord. We can do nothing better than that, brothers and sisters. Then people coming to the Lord. Then people receiving salvation, receiving deliverance, receiving healing. Brothers and sisters, folks, other people's life being changed. I don't I don't know anything better than that. I don't know what you may call better than that. The people repenting, hallelujah, repenting daily, hallelujah, getting their life straight with God to go home with Jesus. I don't know nothing better than that. I don't know what you call better than this. I thank you, Lord, and that's what we're seeing. I rejoice for that. I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm looking for more people to be saved, people coming to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, giving the life to Jesus. I had a pastor contact me. He says, Brother Elby, I don't know you. I heard, a, I heard from you, from, from members of my church, especially new members that have come to my church that have been saved through your program, but now are members of my church. And they have told me how they listen to you every day on the Lord's Tower every week and how their life has been changed for the Lord, for God, how God has changed their life through the Lord's Tower. Praise the Lord. And I rejoice that the pastor said, I want to congratulate you and tell you to continue doing what you're doing because I got several members in my church that have come to the Lord through, your, through, the, through the Lord's Tower, through the message of the Lord's Tower. And I said, well, I'm, I'm glad, Pastor. Praise the Lord. I am glad that there's people being saved through this program, and they are going to the churches. They are running to the churches. There are people emailing me saying, you know I'm a good church. I'm going to church. I've been backsliding for years. I have not gone to church for years. And, and, and God, God touched me through your message, and I've been crying. I've been repenting. I want to go back to the churches. I want to go back to seek the Lord. And I said, where are you? What state? What country? Find a, a local church, a church that preaches the word. Go to church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in your life. I don't know nothing greater than that. Brothers and sisters, people being saved, people coming to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more awesome than that. I thank you, Lord. So Jesus comes. He's resurrected out on the third day. The top of the disciples still did not believe. He come and show himself among them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He showed himself that he was risen. Luke 8, 12. Those by the by the way, uh, wayside are they that hear that cometh, hallelujah, then that cometh the devil and take away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. You see, in order for you to be saved, John, uh, Romans 10, 10, you have to believe from your heart. If you don't believe from your heart, the enemy comes, and that word which has now taken foundation in your heart, he takes it away. Now the message that you just heard, that you thought it was such a blessing, but you did not believe with your heart, you heard with your ears, but the word did not take place in your heart because you did not believe. Now the enemy comes, and someone could ask you, you know, what were you yesterday? I was listening to a radio. What were you listening to? I don't remember. The devil took the word. The devil took the word. He can take the word from the, from the heart, especially if it doesn't take foundation, Jesus said. That's Luke 8, 12. I thank you, Lord. Faith in this is more important than anything else. Luke 24, 25. Then he said unto them, O fool, 
and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Listen to this careful. He calls them slow of heart. They were not believing the word wholeheartedly quickly. You see that you can be quick to believe as you can be slow and it will take all your life. The devil entertains you to the hallelujah to hell, to bed, brothers and sisters. The devil entertains your life to the cemetery. God have mercy on your soul. He can entertain you so much because you think you don't have time to believe. You don't have time to seek God. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to fast. You don't have time, hallelujah, to seek the Lord as you should. Then what happened? The devil comes, hallelujah, and takes the word. Because you are being so slow to believe what the prophet has said, how Jesus said. Because what the prophet has said came from the Lord himself. It was not the word, but it was the word of God. And these people were so slow to believe. They were still questioning without unbelief whether what the prophet has said was from God. You see the problem here? That you can believe so, you, I'm sorry, you can be asking without an and, and unbelief so slow that you never get to believe. It's what Jesus is telling them. Be careful. Be careful. Being slow to believe. Be quick to believe the word. Be quick to believe God's word. Stop waiting for something. Believe now. And if you believe now, you're prepared. I thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Believe now. The Lord is repeating that to me. Yes. Believe now. Now is the time to believe. I can hear the Lord with that urgency. The Lord is putting it in my spirit, that urgency to believe now. That's what I said that. Believe now. Believe now. The Lord wants you to believe now. He don't want you to put it up. Jesus don't want you to put it up. He wants you to believe now. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Don't be slow to believe. Thank you, Lord. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. Ye believe in God, but it also in me. We have a problem in these last days. There are people that they say they only believe in Jesus. There are people that they say they only believe in God. I got this news for you. God wants you to believe his son. And God wants you to believe him also from your heart. Because if you don't believe in the son, you, if you don't have the son, you will neither have the father. Jesus explained. Be careful. We're trying to divide God. God is one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Be very careful. Let now your heart be troubled. How can your heart be troubled? There are many reasons for heart to be troubled. But if you believe in God, if you believe also in Jesus, you will have peace in your heart. <laughs> I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. Acts 4.32. And the, the multitude and those they who believe 
were of one heart and one soul. Neither said of any other in any other things which they possessed was their own. But they had all the things in common. I thank you, Lord. We by faith, brothers and sisters, don't matter the distance that we're in. Don't matter if it's three thousand, five thousand, eight, ten thousand miles away, eleven thousand miles away. We can be of one heart. How can be we be we of one heart? In the same spirit, in the same faith, and in the in the same Lord. You where you are, you believe. Here where I am, I believe. And if we are joined in the spirit, in agreement like brothers and sisters, we will be of one heart, brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Paul was in prison, and he was with the brother, one in spirit, he said. He was one with the brothers and sisters. Although he was in prison, maybe 200 miles away, they were somewhere else. They prayed where they were. Paul prayed where he was, and he said he was in one spirit with them. Oh, I thank you, Lord. That man walked by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 8.37. And finish him, and thou believe with all thy heart. Thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There you go. That's all we need to do. All we need to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and it is done by faith. We're saved. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? Romans 10 says, for with the heart men believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made until salvation. Hallelujah. When you believe God's word, the word cleanses your heart, your life, and now you stand before God because the blood of Jesus is cleansing you daily when you repent. Daily. Hallelujah. You stand as a righteous woman. You stand as a righteous man before God. I thank you, Jesus. But that's why we need to do daily daily repenting before God. We need to repent our sin daily, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the word that we believe, as we believe the Son, as we believe the Father, something is happening in us. You give God your heart, and God will give you his heart and his spirit. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. There's more benefit from God when you believe in God. That's why people don't even understand when God tells them to believe. Because if you believe, can you imagine all the benefit you get from God? When you believe God, he cleanses you with his word. He cleanses you with the blood of Jesus. He anoints you. He gives you. He separates you. You dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. He sends angels around your life. He calls you his son. He calls you his daughter, and he'll protect you, and he will fight for you, because he said, Benjamin is mine, said the Lord. You see all the benefits? All the benefits that you sow your heart to God, and you reap life, you, live every, you reap everything God has in store for you. But if you sow unbelief, if you sow doubt, you will reap dead, is what you will reap in your life. Everything that comes with dead, punishment, pain, suffering, that's why those are states in the tribulation are reaping dead, are reaping down unbelief. God have mercy on their soul. I thank you, Lord. God the one that's reaped the things of the flesh, brothers and sisters, but the things of the spirit is what he wants us to sow for life. Because God can, can give us more, brothers and sisters. God can give us more 
hallelujah, than anyone, anyone else. So when we give God a heart, we can be sure we're going to, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Look what Proverbs 4.23 says. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of, out of it are the flowing of life. You see that when you keep, when you give God your heart, when you serve God with all your heart, God takes your heart, your life. God takes your heart, and He gives you abundant life. I thank you, Lord. And so when you go to evangelize, when you go out to reach other, what will flow out of your heart is overflowing of life. I thank you, Jesus. Overflowing of life because the Holy Spirit is in your life now. Thank you, Lord. And there's so much flowing in you. There is so much flowing from you because God is filling your spirit. God is filling your heart with all these good things. And what other people receive life that is in your heart? Because it's sure that happens. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when a desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. When God fulfills the desire of your heart, listen careful. When God fulfills the desire of your heart, hallelujah, your heart is a treat of uh, hallelujah. When the desire is fulfilled, it's a treat of life. Nothing more joyful for us, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ecclesiastes 5.20, for he should not much remember the day of his life, because God answered him in the joy of the heart. See, when God answered you and I in the joy of our heart, what happened? We rejoice. Praise the Lord. And you don't remember the, the what you went through, the suffering? Not much like you remember. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Not much like you remember. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen to one of the warnings Jesus gave his church in the last days. Luke twenty one thirty four, take heed to see yourself less of any time your heart be overcharged with suffering, suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawareness. See, if we, hallelujah, fill our heart with worry and concern for this life, because that's true a lot of time, brothers and sisters, and it's not of God, it can put you to sleep. You will not be aware when the Lord comes. You will not be ready, in other words, when Jesus comes. We need to be careful that we don't fill our heart, our life, with the things of this world that will make us asleep and not be ready for the coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming for his bride. It is not, a, it's not, a, it's not for us to be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness of care of this life. God wants us to do with our heart, to fill our heart. No, God wants our heart to be pure for the coming of Jesus. Very important. It's very important, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Ephesians 4, 418. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. That's what's going on with this generation. Their heart is darkened because there's so much into the darkened things of this world. Because everything in this world is vanity. They got vanity mirror. They got vanity this, vanity that. Why? Because it's all vanity. This life, brothers and sisters, is full of vanity. It's full of darkness. And if you let all this stuff get to your heart, your life will turn into darkened, will be darkened. Having their understanding darkened, Paul says. Their understanding is darkness because they receive all the darkness of this world into the life. In order to, order to sign, their understanding becomes darkness. This can happen to Christians. It can happen to anybody. We need to be careful with the things of this world. We're not to focus on the things of this world that are hard. Hallelujah. Which is full of life. The Holy Spirit comes darkness also. We need to pray. We need to pray, brothers and sisters. We need to rebuke these things in the name of the Lord. Because we want our life, hallelujah, to be for the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Not for, for, for darkness, but for Jesus. As God wants it, brothers and sisters. Because it happens to other people. It can happen to anybody. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness in the world made manifest of the counsel of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. There you go. This is exactly what I saw in heaven. Everything that was hidden of the heart that I was speaking early was manifested in heaven. When we were ratched, when the bride of Christ was taken to heaven, that's what the Lord revealed to me. That the things that was in our heart on earth, while we serve the Lord, if we have a pure heart, a holy heart, a righteous heart, that was manifested in heaven, brothers and sisters. Everyone has heart, whatever their heart were, however their heart was for God, that's how it was manifested in heaven. The apostle Paul says this to the Corinthians, therefore judge nothing before the time. That's what I was telling someone this past week. We need to be careful and not judging people. Because there's a lot of people out there, other preachers, teachers and pastors, judging people. And that is not our call. We ought to be not to be judging people. We ought to be praying for people that God will have mercy on their soul. That's what we need to be doing. Look how Paul says to the Corinthians again. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Why until the Lord comes? Because the Lord is a judge. That's what it says in the book of God. He's been appointed to God, by God, to judge everything. For everything to be judged for him. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness. There are hidden things of darkness in people's life. There are demons and principality in people's life. The Lord will bring all that to light. Everyone's going to see in the tribulation who was a God, who was a demon, and who was not a God who was possessed by demons. All that 
will be made clear in the tribulation when Jesus comes. Why do you think there will be a seven-year tribulation? The day of vengeance of the Lord. <laughs> and I didn't know, and this confirmed, the word, this word confirmed to me this, because in the tribulation, I saw Jesus in the tribulation. He revealed himself to me in the tribulation, brothers and sisters. And that helped me to understand that Jesus is coming down in the tribulation, and he will be around. And the things that are heading, says Paul, I'm going to read it again, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. What time? The rapture time. Oh, I'm sorry, the tribulation time, because the rapture time, we're out of here. So, huh. until the Lord comes, when is the Lord coming back in his second coming? After we go home in the rapture, the second coming of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. In the rapture, he comes as a thief of the night. No one on earth see him. Only the bride that, that meet him in the air, and they go home to be with the Lord. But in the second coming, the Bible said, all eyes will see him. I thank you, Lord. So the apostle Paul says this, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will, bring, who will both bring to light the hidden things of God. How would the Lord bring all these hidden things to light? I'm going to tell you how. In the second coming, he comes in his glory with his mighty army. I thank you, Lord. All the hidden things are going to be revealed. No demon, no principality can hide themselves anymore. Ah, in the tribulation, everything is going to be revealed. However, people serve God. Hallelujah. If they were not for God, it will be revealed. If they were for God, it's going to be revealed. All his thanks, hallelujah, will be revealed. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. There will be nothing hidden that will not be made known. And it will make manifest the counsel of the heart. <laughs> Shalom there, brother Noah. Jesus, in his second coming, when all I will see him, he's going to manifest the counsels of the heart. Hallelujah. And whatever people are saying, and whatever people are believing, and whatever people are confessing, if it was from the heart, or whatever evil is in the heart, whoop, he's going to make it clear. Everybody's going to say, I didn't know you were thinking this way. I didn't know your heart was so evil. I didn't know you were a demon. All these secret stuff that's been hitting, Jesus is going to make it manifest in his second coming. Oh, there will be nothing hitting that will not be called, that will not be brought out to light. When Jesus comes in his glory, everything that is hitting will be manifest clearly. And people are going to say, I didn't know you were thinking this way. There was going to be so much hidden things, brothers and sisters, revealed. Uh, people are going to be shocked. They're going to be saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't know. There it is, First Corinthians 4, 7. Therefore, judge nothing before time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart, and then, then show every man a praise of God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. All these hidden things 
that right now your government, the world governments, the Antichrist and all of them, don't want anybody to know. It is all hidden. It is all secret. The fallen angel, Satan and them, got all these secrets. They don't want people to know. They don't want people to see. When Jesus comes in all his power and all his glory, he's going to make all the lies, all the deceiving, all the evil. He's going to reveal them, the hidden things of darkness. Everybody's going to see them. And people will be stunned. Astonished, like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Man, I didn't think that the Obama RFID was the mark of the beast. Oh my God, what is this? There's going to be so much surprise. Reveal. Because I can say the RFID is the mark of the beast. How many people believe that? Got a bunch of people that still don't believe that. Well, don't worry. The Lord's going to make all this lie manifest clearly for everyone to see. You may not believe God's prophet, you may be being slow to believe. But it's going to be made manifest. Shalom, sister. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It will all be made manifest. It will all be made clear. Hallelujah. All will be made clear. There's nothing hidden that will not be made known. I thank you, Lord. And people are going to be shocked. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Oh, that's why I explain Genesis to people. The separation of darkness and light is a separation of God's sons and the devil's sons. And that's in Genesis. I explained that in another Bible study, but I want to remind people. Again, let, let me put this in the chat room. I want to read it with careful. I want you to see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But we went sharing that a lot of people now in question that have been so slow to believe, even though it's in the Word of God. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, which is Jesus Christ, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, Jesus Christ. In the face of whom? Whom do we have to face? In front of whose face are we going to be standing? Somebody, come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Listen to the word of God and believe it. Don't be slow to believe God's word, brothers and sisters. Again, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Jesus explained to me that where his word is God is referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for that revelation. Hallelujah. For God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Praise the Lord. I, I, I don't feel okay if I don't go to Genesis, hallelujah, chapter 1. I'm not, not going to let this lie. I got I to gotta, I gotta match the word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That is in Genesis 1-4. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, 1-3. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And God said, let there be light. Let my son come out. And there was light. Jesus came out. Thank you, Lord. Where was Jesus? Huh. Where was Jesus? That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had to ask him to come out. I tell you where he was. He was hearing in God. 
Hallelujah. He was hidden in God. He was with God from the beginning. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He says, my son, you may come out. Let there be light. My son, you may come out. And Jesus came out. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God says, was working, was among the water. Let me read that. Let me read that real quick. Hallelujah. Genesis 1-2. The earth was thou born and born. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Well, the Apostle Paul says to the churches, for the Lord is the Spirit. This is what he said. Jesus is the Holy Spirit, is what he said. And we know that that is true, because Father, Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. I received and a, a couple of weeks ago, one of the most beautiful revelations that I have received from the Father in a long time. And it's why when Jesus came the last time to bring me to heaven, that was like a week and a half ago, Jesus came to my room, brothers and sisters, to take me to heaven. Order the Son, I'm out of my body. Jesus is standing right in front of me to come and bring me to heaven. When I looked at Jesus' eyes, Order the sign, Jesus, the same person as Jesus that I'm used to seeing. As I'm looking through his eyes, I see the Father through him. It was the it was God in one, as this word says. And I'm stunned because I'm seeing the revelation of God exactly as his word says it, brothers and sisters. Through the eyes of Jesus, whatever's inside that body. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, I thank you, God. He is so awesome. He wanted me to see him this way. Jesus wanted me to see him this way, brothers and sisters, because there's nothing more beautiful than seeing the person of Jesus. This is why the disciple, hallelujah, in John 14, was having a difficult time. When Jesus brought in this Bible study about the Father's Son, brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said this in John 14, 7. If ye have known me, ye shall have known my Father also. And from henceforth, from now and on, in other words, ye know him. And have seen him. <laughs> oh, it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. He's talking, hallelujah. Of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you have seen Jesus, if God has given you the privilege to, re- to see the revelation of Jesus, let me tell you this. You have seen the Father. You have seen the Son. And you have seen the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. Look how Jesus starts speaking to his disciples. There's still a lot of people today that don't understand this. That's why, as the Lord has revealed himself to me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I'm trying to share with you something that is going to bless your life. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. Listen carefully. John 14, 7. As ye have known me, Jesus said, 
Look how Rabbi Jesus began to reveal himself to us. If ye had known me, it's all about having a relationship with Jesus, brothers and sisters. Salvation. Salvation. The salvation that has been given to you and I freely. You know what it's all about? Having a relationship with Jesus. I thank you, Lord. It's, it's about you knowing him. Oh, because he knows you very well. He knows you very well. He made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Thank you, Lord. He knew you. Before you were in your mother's name, he knew you. He knew you. He already knew you. I thank you, Lord. Knowing Jesus is so important to the bride of Christ. And I feel so sad that so many people don't know him. I thank you, Lord. Listen, can't forget. If you know me, you need to have that one with the Lord. Please have it. Jesus has known my father also. Listen careful. If you have a if you have a relationship with Jesus, I tell you this. You also have it with the Father. Thank you, Lord. You also have it with the Father and the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. I, I was so worried years ago about my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was very concerned. I know I was speaking with Jesus. Jesus was speaking to me and was giving me the privilege to talk to him. On very few occasions, I have seen the Holy Spirit. I have spoken with the Holy Spirit. But I was so concerned about my relationship with the Holy Spirit. One of my greater, one of my greater fear, and I repent for that, Lord. Please forgive me. Was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God. It's the unpardoned sin. And I always have been very careful with the Holy Spirit that I don't blaspheme him because I love him. I love him very much. Thank you, Lord. Listen now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Back in Massachusetts, before I came to North Carolina, I was asking the Lord to come to me. As I see him many times come to my life, I was, I was asking him to come to me. Well, in that morning, I was in my room. I believe I, I, I usually get up in the morning and go in prayer with the Lord. This time, I remember being in bed and being in deep prayer with the Lord. Something unusual began to happen in my room as I was in prayer. There was a glory cloud, a very anointing glory cloud that began to fill my room. The glory cloud in my room was going like around me around the room. I I was in the presence of the Lord, you presence of the Lord, my goodness, brothers and sisters. In order to sign right before me, I see the face of Jesus, brothers and sisters. His face was there. He was looking at me straight to my eyes. As I look at Jesus, I was not afraid of him because I love him. I would love to be in his presence forever. I thank you, Lord. I get excited when I see Jesus, very excited. Brothers and sisters, the Lord began to turn right in front of me into the person of the Holy Spirit. As he began to do that, because he is the Holy Spirit, 
he was with a, such a beautiful smile, laughing. He was not laughing at me, not laughing at me. He was rejoicing because I was seeing that Jesus is what the Word of God says. I did not understand what the apostle said to the church when he said, for the Lord is the Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. He turned into the person of the Holy Spirit. I was looking at Jesus. Now I'm looking at the Holy Spirit right before me. And I'm like, he is one. He is one. Genesis 1, 2 began to be so clear to me. It was like, wow, wow, the word. The word is so true. He is so true. He is the word. He is the Holy Spirit. Look, the earth was without without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Right in the midst of the deepness of darkness was the Holy Spirit of God shining beautifully. And Father God said, let there be light. I thank you, Lord. Father God said, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord. He looked beautiful. Beautiful. He is beautiful. He is beautiful. I don't know uh, how many of you have heard the testimony from uh, the dear sister, I believe it was Hannah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I, uh, Brother Richard, he said that he was in the part of heaven where he saw these beautiful, beautiful angels. I mean, with colors that we don't have on earth, brothers and sisters. It's indescribable. These angels in heaven, how beautiful. The garment they wear, brothers and sisters, have diamond colors all over it. And just like a wedding dress that go back, 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 where it's being dragged in the floor. That's how these angels dress in heaven, brothers and sisters. It's like a wedding dress. But the, the, the dress don't need to be white exactly. But the dress of these angels, brothers and sisters, they're so beautiful. And you look at them, they're so old. If you ask, if you ask one of these angels, when you go to heaven, <laughs> oh, I thank you, Lord. When you go to heaven and the rapture, please do me a favor. Don't ask the angel how old, uh, how many, how old they are. Because they're going to ask you, <laughs> in your years, oh, God, I don't know how well they'd answer you. Because in years, they they go so they might go some billions and on and on and on. They're, they're so old. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're very old. The years go on and on and on and on. Thank you, Lord. They're going to laugh. They're going to have a good laugh. If you ask them how old they are, it's better for you to ask the Lord. I tell you, the Lord may give you a straight answer. Boom. This, how, and if I tell you, if you ask Father, he give you a sure, clear answer that you, you never thought possible, brothers and sisters. They are not forever. The Lord is forever. God is eternal. God is forever. Be saying you in our years, it's, it's almost impossible for them to give you a number. But if you ask Father, Father, give me a number for all, all these things you are. He can give you a number. Father can give you a number right away. 
You'll be like, okay, now I know how, how old they are. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> don't ask God how old he is. <laughs> because God is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He is beyond that. He is beyond the forever and ever. He applied to his creation. Remember, to God, you cannot apply to God forever and ever. I'm sorry for saying that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can tell the difference between God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, I can. Don't apply to God age. Don't apply to God age. Don't apply to God age. Because God has no age. God created age. Don't ask God how old he is. He created eternity. Huh. Are, you li- are you listening? How can someone who created forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, someone that can create all that, how can you find out how old he is? When he created eternity. <laughs> Oh, I love my father. He is so awesome. He has one of the most beautiful sense of humor someone may ever, may, may ever have. Brothers and sisters, when you meet my father in heaven, Jehovah God, Jehovah Elohim, when you meet father, he has one of the most beautiful sense of humor. Hallelujah. You, you never want to see him mad. I tell you that. You never want to see him mad. I saw him mad one time, mommy. Hallelujah. And the earth cannot hide me from him. Huh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, i seen the Lord mad, too. But I see the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I know they're one. <laughs> I know some people say, you're not making no sense. They're one. Of course they're one. Huh. I thank you, Lord. But you, you, you understand this morning, heaven. On earth, we got limited mind. It's hard to. I can only tell you a, a, a bit of the things he, he helped me to remember because there's a lot of things. Hallelujah. But your father loves you. He loves you. I'm telling you, he loves you. Your father wants you in heaven already. I heard him saying this to the Lord. I want my children up here. I want my children up here now. He says to the Lord. And then the Lord says, Father, look, I just say someone on earth. And he rejoiced. I saw his face go for love, just melted in love for that person. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus had joked with me. He had joked with me, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Jesus loved me very much. There's a few things my father don't, don't, don't like about me. I'm not going to say don't like, but there's a few things, praise the Lord, I'm not pleasing to him is what I meant to say. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. But he, he loves us very much. We make mistakes that he, he, you know, Jesus explained something to me about the father in the millennium. His father, father uh, cannot tolerate sin. He told me about obedience. He said, you must be obedient to my father. See, a lot of people say that they want to walk with God. And I don't tell you it is impossible. Of course it's possible. Where God all things are possible. But you be careful. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to be, you're going to, have to be extremely careful 
Father, don't tolerate sin. Father came to me in the millennium and told me that I needed to walk with him. He wanted me to walk with him. I said, yes, Father. And he began to talk to me in an audible voice. Praise the Lord. He said, my son, I demand you, I want you to walk with me. You must be obedient. And he began to talk to me about obedience. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God demands obedience for you and I. He cannot obligate us, but he can demand it. Why does God demand obedience? Brothers and sisters, because obedience is measure of her on heaven. Like faithfulness is measure. I'll give you an example. Your boss, hallelujah, can say to you, I demand that if you're going to work 40 hours, you need to be here every day and early. That's Father. That's what Father is. Praise the Lord. And if you're going to miss a day, a car accident or anything, you need to call me right away. Unless you're in the hospital, you cannot make a phone call because you're hurt. What I mean to say is all these things, you, you have no limitation. And if God is for you who can come against you, God knows how far you can go. But if you trust him, if you put your total faith in God, God will take you farther than whatever you thought possible. Because with God, all things are possible. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Yesterday morning, I was in prayer. Father God has given, given me this message of the heart. Father God, a few years ago, surprisingly in the morning, began to talk to me with an honorable voice. He was telling me how happy he was that he says, my son has given you the message of the pure heart. I want you to bring this to my children. Tell my children that I want them to have a pure heart with me. He says to me, tell my children this. Yes, Father. Tell my children to seek to have a pure heart. Just as my son taught you this teaching, bring them these Bible verses to them and explain it to them as my son has explained it to you. Father says to me. Yesterday I was in prayer and the Lord began to talk to me. As the Lord was talking to me, within, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour, Father also began to minister to me. I knew it was Father clearly. I, I don't know. I just know in the spirit it was Father. Thank you, Lord. When Father comes to you, you know it's him. You know it's him. You can tell the difference from him and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, is so awesome. I love you, Father. I love you, Papa. Thank you, Lord. He is awesome. He loves us, brothers and sisters. He loves us. He knows how much we need to be ministered in these last days. He knows how much his students are struggling. Hallelujah. To be ready for his son. He wants us to be ready, brothers and sisters. He's about to give the order for the, for the trumpet to be sound. It's what he says to me. I just remember this right now. He made me remember this right now. He told me yesterday morning, 
I am about to give the order for the trumpet to be sound for my children to come home. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Bring to my children the message of the pure heart, he says to me. I want them to be ready for my son, he says. I want my children ready for the coming of my son because it's going to happen. I am about to give the order. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I I didn't know if I was going to remember this message. He says to me, I said, Lord, I said, Father, when do you want me to give this message? I want you to give this message on Sunday. I began this Bible study on Saturday. I did not remember this message. Because Father has spoken that I must give this message on Sunday. The Father is about to give the order for the trumpet to be sound for his son to come for us. He wants us to be ready for his son. Brothers and sisters, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. Oh, glory, you are the Lord be given unto you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for this word, Lord. For your people to be ready for the sound of the trumpet, Lord. Yes, I thank you. Yes, Lord. The Lord says, yes, yes, yes. Brothers and sisters, Jesus began to talk to me yesterday morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the Father took over the congregation, and there was the Father, the Lord. Hallelujah. The anointing was overwhelming. As he came to me yesterday morning, the anointing was so overwhelming in my room. It was so anointing, 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 anointing. I know some people that are listening can feel the anointing of Father. He has a special anointing to awaken his bride. Thank you, Lord. Only the bride will see Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The lightning will be seen, though, on earth. There will be a special lightning from east to west. It says in Matthew 24. Very important for the Jewish people. Brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. I know it's for those that are staying behind. They will see the sign. That's the sign. Hallelujah, the sign. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, hallelujah. Father is about to give the order for the trumpet to be sound, for us to be going home. I, I, I've been so, hallelujah, so ancient about this rapture, brothers and sisters, so ancient for this rapture. But the trumpet, the last trumpet that Paul spoke to the, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 6, hallelujah, 4.16 and on, the, the sounding of the trumpet, it will also be sound, the last trumpet, for us to be going home. Praise the Lord. In my spirit, I was receiving. I, was, I, I did not know where we were in the spirit concerning to the rapture. I was receiving in my spirit that I was given the last teaching, one of the last teachings, before it's the trumpet sound. I was questioning why was I receiving this in my spirit? Because I was I was telling the Lord the persecution that I've been going through in the Lord's hour from the different people. And the Lord was, was comforting me, telling me not to worry. 
because I was giving one of the last teachings before the trumpet sound. And the Lord was telling me that I'm going to be right before him very soon. Very soon you'll be up here, right standing before me, he says to me. Very soon, Jesus began to tell me yesterday, I will, I'm going to be standing right before him. As he already told me this in heaven, he said this to me. I have forgotten that. He was telling me this yesterday, something that I have forgotten. I told you in heaven, before you came back to earth, that you were going to be standing before me here in heaven again. And I remember that when he told me that. I did not remember that before. I'm so happy. There's so many things I have forgotten that he has to remind to me. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. But I was telling the Lord the things and the persecution that I've been going through. And the Lord was comforting for me not to worry about that we're going to be up there soon. But he said, you are going to be standing before me soon. Thank you, Lord. And I got, that makes me so happy. Makes me so happy to know that. But brothers and sisters, we are going to be raptured. The time of the rapture, God was reminding me his clock. He says to me, remember the clock, Elvie. That you, remember the timing you saw the Spirit. I'm like, what timing? I didn't see no timing. He says, exactly. That was having this conversation with him yesterday. Because he told me, remember the timing you saw in the Spirit? And I said, what timing? I didn't see no timing in the Spirit. He said, exactly. There's no timing in the Spirit left. You know there's no time left. That's why you did not see no time, he told me. Because I've been wondering. I even told the people here. I said, I didn't see no time in the Spirit. He said, exactly. There's no time left. I said, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, Lord. Forget me, Lord. Brothers and sisters, we all need the Lord every day. We all need the Lord every day. I, I praise the Lord, also ask, because I want to go home too. But I know that if we continue to look for time for the coming of the Lord, we're going to be tested. And that's my concern, being tested, because I'm, 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 some people have said, Jesus is going to come in 2016. He well could be. Yes, he could. Because everything is possible. Wake up. No one knows the day or the hour. But I did receive a revelation, brothers and sisters, where I saw myself still on earth in 2017. Brothers and sisters, I don't need to say that the rapture is not going to happen in 2016. God can do anything. Everything is possible with God. God can say, all right, I want my children to be here now. Bring them up. But I tell you this, I did so myself in 2017. And the Lord has given me a sign that I'm going to see happening in 2017. And I don't mean to discourage anyone. Please don't misunderstand me. The Lord can say, God can say, the Father can say, the righteous the righteous now. We go home and that's it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. But it's after Father. It's after Him, brothers and sisters. It's after Father. Father is the one that will determine the day and the hour. The son doesn't know. The angel don't know. 
not more than enough. But it's up to God. But we need to trust the Lord when he says we need to be ready, brothers and sisters. We need to trust the Lord when he says we need to be ready. We need to be watching and we need to be praying. We need to be seeking holiness and righteousness. We need to be fasting. We need to be on daily repenting, brothers and sisters. That's what we need to be. I thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. I cannot say what, brother Noah. That's between the Lord and I. Something personal that the Lord has shown me. He's going to give me in 2017. I thank you, Lord. But yes, persecution will come first. Martial law is going to come first. There are a few things that we're going to go through. But brothers and sisters, we need to hang on to the Lord. Because in this coming persecution, if we are not hanging on to the Lord, if people don't hang on to the Lord, it's going to be very difficult, brothers and sisters. We need to hang on to Jesus, brothers and sisters, because the Lord is the only one that can bring us through through the hard days that are coming, because there is hard days coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, birthday pain. Hallelujah. The birth pain, they are coming. It's in the word of the Lord. They will come to pass. Birth pain, we, brothers and sisters, need to hang out with the Lord with all of our heart. Thank you, Jesus. I will continue with this message of the heart, having a pure heart. I'll take a day of rest tomorrow for my throat. Please keep my throat in prayer. Right now it's hurting, and it's hurting very much. Keep my throat in prayer, brothers and sisters. I'll rest it tomorrow night. Praise the Lord. For those that have not heard yesterday's message, I'll pray. I'll play it on tomorrow night. Don't miss tomorrow night's message. It was a message that a lot of people did not hear yesterday. It will be on tomorrow night. Then I'll come back on Tuesday, God willing. All this God willing, brothers and sisters, life again, and I'll continue with this message because I know this is the Father's will for me to continue to bring this message. I have here the latest prophecy, hallelujah, that the, the prophet has put on today and some yesterday that are a blessing and some that will confirm what we've been talking about. Hallelujah. Stay tuned to listen to them. Praise the Lord. Because there are many confirmations of the coming of Jesus, of this rapture that is about to occur. These, some of the prophets, prophecy are found today, brothers and sisters. And they will bless your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord keep you. Hey, shalom. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to the God's Holy Seven Anti Prophecy Channel. I'm Sister Barbara and my brother Dan. Oh, with the recording device. <laughs> so, um, now today I have something a little bit different. Um, I've been in prayer for the last two days. And um, yesterday, I kept on hearing from the Lord um, a foreshadowing, a foreshadow. Then I started to get the message, so I wrote it down. So Brother Dan has the scripture that he's going to read first. Okay. Oh, yeah, the hair on my I didn't even read it yet. I, I just said it. Yeah, when I read it, my, the hair went crawl, standing up on every part of my neck. <laughs> okay, we're in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Look at the hair on my I arms. I had the Holy Spirit on a really bad show. Yep. Okay. 
You're up. So again, I'm Sister Barbara, and uh, Brother Dan and I, we have what's called the Gift of Prophecy. You can look that up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I think uh, our channel's been on here. I think I started it back in September of 2011. So uh, we have about, I think last I looked, we had 777 prophecy messages. I think we're past that now, if I check. We're like in the 780s. Yes, and um, so if you're wondering what's wrong with me, I had a stroke back in October. Uh, October 2015. What? October 14, 2015. But I've been having what they call a miraculous recovery here. So usually your mouth is droops. Mine used to be. It's not anymore. Yeah. I was blind and on my left side. I yep. was paralyzed on my complete uh, left side. And little by little, everything's been coming back, thanks to the uh, great physician. No one, no, no, no person gets credit for that except the great physician. Absolutely. So again, look at my hair standing up. Yep. So I have the Holy Ghost on me, and I did put a message up there on the Godzilla Seven Facebook channel. I am going to be in prayer all day tomorrow and Sunday. So if you have a need or a request, just leave it on there. So here we go. This is the foreshadow, foreshadowing. I did put the definition of that up because I didn't know what a foreshadow was. A foreshadow means, I think, beforehand. Yes. What's going to happen? Very smart. <laughs> okay. If I can read my own handwriting. I can't read your handwriting. I can't read mine either. Okay. As the night closes in, you look out and up to the sky, thinking it looks very dark. Where are the stars? In the distance approaches a group of men dressed in dark clothing. Okay, look at the Holy Spirit coming here. Not sure who they are, you close the door and lock it. Suddenly the door is thrown open and the men appear in your home. They look at you and they say, we know who you are. Tell us, will you die for him? You are the last of the remaining Christians. The last of the remaining Christian resistance, the others have been killed. So we ask you the same question, will you die for him? If you answer correctly, you will join the others with the correct answer outside. If not, several men draw their swords. If not, you will join those who answered incorrectly. And you will join him. This is the final hour. So speak loudly so we can hear you. Will you die for him? One person says no and the door opens and they are escorted outside. The others refuse to answer and remain silent. Don't you know? This is the final hour. Speak now and seal your face. Yes, we will die for him. And join him for this purpose. We were poor, and we will live and die in faith for Jesus Christ. 
as Sister Barbara would say, be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and you can fill your hair, stand up yeah. like we do, and you'll understand what we're talking about. And uh, well, you are that was uh, uh, what I call a hair razor. Humdinger. Humdinger. And you are proclaiming? I'm proclaiming, I'm announcing the coming of the glorious kingdom. I started doing that on September 24th, 2015, and there was a foreshadowing to that. It said I would be doing these messages with my hair all cut off. So as I said, I had a stroke, and I, my hair was almost down to my butt. And the uh, I called the butcher brain surgeon. He just hacked all my hair off. So this prophecy that I spoke how many years ago, probably about four or five years ago, yep. that my hair would be all cut off and we would continue to do our job. Again, this is our purpose and our job. We will continue doing that. So I'm announcing the coming of glorious kingdom and his majesty. Started on September 24th. That was the time of darkness. 
after they were cast out of heaven, a lot of the what happened was they were corrupting the humans on the earth. They had all kinds of inside knowledge of heaven, all the ins a lot of inside knowledge of the Father and the secrets and the mysteries of the universe. And they started to tell that to the humans, telling and revealing things that was not for humans to know. They had sacred knowledge. And then they were mingling with the humans and, and, and having children with the humans and doing all kinds of things that were breaking the rules. So they, when they realized that when God had found out, he was, he was extremely angry. And he knew, they knew that they were going to get into judgment. So the, the fallen angels then went to Enoch and pleaded and begged for him to intercede for them to the Father. So Enoch did. And he went inter interceded, and God said, no, I will not forgive them. I have created a place just for them, for their judgment, which is, as we know, hell. But he called it, I think, a cave or, or the abyss. Or I'm not, I can't remember. It's been a while since I read the book. I'm doing this from memory. But that's how mad he was because, and I've come to realize why he would not forgive them, because they knew better. It's one thing for God to forgive us because sometimes we just don't know better. We do things out of ignorance or because we are in our fallen bodies. You know, we're in a fallen world and sinful bodies, and we just have to constantly battle against the flesh. But these fallen angels, didn't. they, had, they knew better. They had knowledge. They knew better, and they knew not to break these rules, and they did. And he would not forgive them. So it was a big, big deal. Um, so these Nephilim came to earth, and it was, and they had already begun infiltrating and doing things. So um, in ancient Egypt, what I came to realize in the dream, what was being told me in this, in this wisdom book that was given me, was that um, they obviously, you know, were, the people of the earth were in awe of them. They had special abilities. They were huge. Um, and they began to corrupt the teachings. They knew better, they knew God, but they corrupted it so that they would be worshipped and not God. And they were, uh, I guess, either in retaliation, but they created a whole system. And it explained so much. They had uh, the celestial knowledge of the stars. We know about the pyramids, the mysteries of how do they build these pyramids. It's because they were given special sacred knowledge. Um, the, the pyramids line up with the constellations, I, I believe, um, is it uh, the, the Great Pyramids of Gaza? I'm trying to think about the name of the largest one. Is it uh, Khufu? I, I used to know all the names of them. Anyway, the largest one, actually the, the top three, the, the Gaza, the, yes, okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to remember. Um, Giza, that's the, the three main pyramids of Giza. They line up with um, Orion's Belt, okay. And those, obviously, that's, some people think that's where heaven is. I don't, I don't know. I just know that it, it lines up. So they have sacred knowledge of, of the pyramid builders. And we always wondered, how did they know to do this? Well, it's because they were given all this in, inside information that was not supposed to be shared. Anyway, so, but the point is, they have been on our planet. And I personally think they are also the ones, it makes sense, that they were also the ones that, corrupted Greek ancient history because the gods and goddesses of ancient Greece, which in turn was then adopted by Rome because Rome stole everything from Greece. So um, the ancient gods and goddesses of Greece, it makes sense because they have their, their main god Zeus, uh, Juno, um, I'm sorry, Hera, Juno, they're the Roman names and the Greek names, um, Ares, Mars, um, Aphrodite, Venus, you know, the uh, Greek name and, Venus, and Roman name. Anyway, so here they are in ancient Egypt. There they are in ancient Greece. 
guys, this is their MO. This is what they do. They come and they, they come to be the saviors. They're going to come again and they're going to do the same exact thing. They're going to come in the guise of gods and goddesses of saying, or at least alien entities, elevated entities, and expect or at least get us to so depend on them, those left behind to so depend on them, that they are going to become worshipped, gods and goddesses, um, uh, working hand in hand with the Antichrist, who also will be working miracles. So um, let me finish my dream. I'm still got more to the dream. That's very important. So in this dream, I, I, this is all the knowledge I'm, I'm been given. And I just am walking around with this book saying, this. I just read this book, and this is all this stuff. I'm just filled with all this knowledge about ancient Egypt and who these who these Nephilim really are. So then I, I bump into this man. He's walking right in front of me, and he says, I've got something to tell you. The ancient, in, in ancient Egypt, these gods and goddesses were Nephilim. And I said, yes, I know. I just read this book, and that's exactly, and we, and we, we mirrored exactly the same knowledge. So then, um, so he, he responded exactly what was in my book, and I, that was like, yes, yes, that's right. And so then, in the, later in the dream, I'm with a group of people, and we're talking. And I forget what we're discussing. It's all been taken from me. But then somebody walks over to me and hands me a huge pile of cash, just all, these, all this money, all in bills. And, it's, and they said, this is, this is yours. Like, I don't know if it was like my cut. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, in the dream, I'm going, what is this for? But they hand me this amazing, huge pile of money. And it's, but it's some money I don't recognize. It's um, like a shiny kind of bill. Like there's all different denominations, like different brightly vibrant colors of money. Like I remember the top bills, like a big stack of blue bills and a big stack of green bills. And they're vibrant colors, like shiny material, not like the faded looking you know, faded-looking money in America we have. Um, these were like, had a, like a, um, a smooth, shiny feel to them. And I looked at that. I remember noticing the very top bill and looking, and I picked up one bill, and it was like set worth. The one bill was a $700 bill, and it was like maybe 700 and something. But I remember seven was the first number, and it was like in 100 something. And, and I had a stack of those, and then I had another stack of, of and they were just, it was a ton of money in my hands. And... I looked at the person, I couldn't remember who handed it to me in the dream I knew, but I, I was, the memory was taken from me. And they said, this is yours. This is like your part, your, your money. I'm like, okay. So then, um, then I turned to look to my left, and then I saw them. It was the Nephilim, and they were arriving. They were all coming, and I, I drew even a picture because it was so vivid, you guys. Um, it was their, all their silhouettes. They were very tall, elongated, and they had these hats on, like, I don't know if it was their head, but it's something long, and this is, if, I can, if you can see it, I did it in a pencil because it was a very faint looking, okay, it was just like there was one in the, in the middle, right in front, he was one, and he had this long hat, and I, I'm trying to remember if the other one had, other ones had hats on too. So, again, this is their MO, they make a grand entrance, and people are so in awe and in shock, immediately they just give over control to these entities, and which we know are demons. We know are Nephilim, are fallen angels. And um, as angels, you know that they have special abilities. Okay, so I saw them, and I knew they were, and I said, they're here. So instantly, it's like it clicked, and I just knew what to do with that money. I, I suddenly started handing out piles of cash to everybody, and I said, you guys, we all throw this at them in a big ball. Take a big wad of money and throw it at them, and it will explode. 
And so that's what they did. I handed out the big piles of money to everybody, and everybody just started throwing them at it, and, these, and it started to explode, and then I woke up. What the Lord told me, what, what I felt in my spirit, what that money meant were prayers. And I think it was shown to me as money to show us how valuable those prayers are. One prayer that I picked up was like worth $700. It was a big amount showing the value of even one prayer. Imagine a big pile of prayers. And it was interesting because I know this wasn't a mistake. I happened to see a video a few days ago of a near-death experience about a man. And Jesus showed him, when Jesus took him up, he showed him the prayers coming up for that man because he was in the hospital and dying. All these people were praying for him. And he saw the prayers coming up as like these big missiles of, of white light. But because all the, when all the, then more people started praying. And because all the prayers were unified of this, for the same thing for that man, they all were going up and they all came together and went like a big explosion. So when we all pray in harmony for the same thing, it is, it's, it's warfare. I mean, it is like a bomb and it was cast at these entities and it, it completely thwarted them. Okay. So it was shown to me that we have this in our hands. We have this power and it was beautiful. It looked brand new, like gorgeous money. And it was all vibrant colors and it was, it was valuable. Okay. And we have it in our hand guys. So, and I was handing it out maybe because I'm making a video and I'm telling you guys, okay, we have it here. I'm giving it to you guys. I'm giving you this information. Now, when I woke up, I was really, really thinking about this dream, and um, right away, a scripture verse popped in my head, because I was thinking, they did it in Greece, they did it in Egypt, and they're going to do it again. And then a scripture verse came through my head, there is nothing new under the sun. And I thought, oh, where, I know, where in the Bible is that verse? So I went online, and I typed in that verse, and it brought me to Ecclesiastes um, 1, verse 9. So... I, I in the online I found the verse up, but I wanted to read the whole the whole chapter so that I can get the whole um, I can see how the um, context of it. So anyway, I open my Bible and this is I have a big Bible upstairs, which is my favorite vibe. I prefer that Bible and this one I keep on my computer just for a quick reference when I'm watching videos. I can look up stuff. So I'm looking for Ecclesiastes. I'm flicking through finding Ecclesiastes. When I open it up, I'm not kidding. I already had a bookmark right here. Okay, and I've, I've since highlighted it's over here. Um, but I, it's almost like, boom, it's already confirmed. This is exactly what I needed to, to see. Okay, and the verse goes, um, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 9, I'm going to read 9 through 11. It says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything... Whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It has, it hath already been of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with these that shall come after. And I, and you guys can read, there's more to it in that, in, in uh, chapter one. But um, it basically means that it's all the same, the same. And I kind of felt like it was woeful in a way saying, why don't we remember there is nothing new and we don't have remembrance of things that were or things to come. We just, it's nothing new under the sun. So, um, so then I felt like the man in my dream 
was necessary confirmation. I was given this book and given knowledge, and immediately a man came and repeated that knowledge to me, and I feel like that's my first confirmation. Then I woke up, and a Bible verse popped in my head, and I opened up my Bible. It was already marked with a, with a mark, and I have bookmarks. I have all kinds of tabs. You can see in the, my Bible. I have all different ways of keeping track of all the different things. <laughs> I'll read a book, and I'll come back, read another book, and I always mark, and then I forget where I was. But I never really used that little bookmark, and it was so weird that it just happened to be right where I needed to refer to. I felt like that was another confirmation, because the Bible verse popped in my head, and I opened it up, and it was marked. Um, but then most interesting, and I was still debating, like, okay, well, I really need to think about this dream um, and think about what the Lord, you know, what to do with this knowledge. Because I feel, you guys, I don't think we're going to be here by the time these Nephilim come down here. In fact, I think, and Revelation, and I should have looked this up before I made the video, um, I want to think it's like halfway through Revelation when war broke out in heaven and Satan and his angels, where there was no place left for them in heaven and they were thrown and cast to the earth. That is when I think they're going to make their grand appearance. They've got nowhere else to go. So they're going to come here and say, hey, you know what, we're going to make this work for us and get them completely derailed with truth. And they'll probably come and say, hey, we're the ones who took all those people in the rapture. That's how they're going to get all the people to buy into it. Um, this is just my thinking, um, and from other people's dreams, they all seem to line up with the same kind of deception. But you guys, the reason I think I'm being shown this <clears throat> is because we need to write this down. We need to pass along this knowledge. A lot of us have already printed out our left behind letters for those the letters to the left behind, write out our notes, we keep journals. I'm seeing a lot of you guys doing the same thing, um, little, you know, places where we're putting, stashing Bibles with letters and things. Um, I just feel it so close, and I'm getting more urgency to do this. Um, but this, the Lord confirmed this so many times. And then last night I'm on my intercessory group, and one of our members, uh, Gary Wayne, I hope you don't mind me saying your name, he posted an article. And I'm looking at his article, and it's a picture. And let me show you something. This is a little chilling, guys. Um, I have a lot of these history books at home because I homeschool. And... Take a look. I looked at some of these ancient uh, leaders, the Nephilim, and it shows obviously they're kind of, he's, he's, look at that big one. He's got that hat on, just like I saw in my dream. He's about, that's exactly what I saw in my dream. He's wearing a hat. Look, he's killing somebody. Now look at this one. And I never thought of this before, but look how much bigger he is. Look how much bigger he is than the other ones, okay? Um, that particular, that's a, called the... Palette, uh, palette of Narmer. I don't have my glasses on. Everything's blurry. Palette of Narmer. If you guys don't want to look that up, there's there's many pictures. You can look up the ancient uh, Egyptian gods and goddesses, and you can look at them with new eyes and say, okay, this is what we're going to be dealing with, or those left behind, what they're going to be dealing with. And I feel again that that knowledge is that we can pass it on. Um, because think about it, those who are lost, lukewarm, they're not even watching videos. They're not going to know anything. Um, they're not going to be having dreams because they're not in communion with God, and they're not. They're not diligently seeking him, and they're not getting, you know, they're maybe getting dreams, and they're not listening to them. They're not paying attention, and they're not giving them any kind of, you know, giving them any kind of attention. So it's our job. That's why we're, we need to record everything. We're getting all this knowledge that we can leave it behind for those who need it the most. So, um, so please pass along. Our prayers, prayers are powerful. That is our ammunition. That is um, the best warfare against these things. 
Um, and again, I was going to say that um, one of our members in our group had posted an article, and it was he was specific about the Nephilim and how they had infiltrated. And, they, and he was talking about in King David, and King David had killed Goliath. That's one of those Nephilim. And then he went back and annihilated all of them. I mean, they were just cleaning house and getting rid of these things. They were fallen. They were corrupting. They were evil. So um, he just talks about the history of um, the patterns in history. So, guys, this is their MO. They've done it before, and it's showing us they're going to do it again, and this dream was so clear on that. So, anyway, um, I just wanted to share that with you. Please, again, record that knowledge. Leave it behind for people. And, again, and if, if anything, it is once more confirmation the power of our prayers. Man, if those prayers can take down creatures like that, Imagine what it can do just, you know, getting rid of a lowly demon that's been torturing you or lurking around your house. Um, so, again, don't ever underestimate. Pray. Pray without ceasing. And especially, again, if my intercessory group, for you guys, you know, all the more we, gotta, we, we pray are there three times a day, 11 a.m. Central, 3 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Central. We're all lined up in our own time zones and pray together for the same things. We have a, um, a main daily prayer we pray, and then we have all our daily prayer requests that we've, we update every day. And all of us praying for the same person who has a need, man, you can just imagine. So we do that. Um, and but just know the power of those those are some big explosions going on when we unify our prayers like that so god bless you guys i plead the blood of jesus christ over this video let it touch all those watching um and lord work in work in our brothers and sisters and and help not only answer our prayers but those people we are praying for um just wake them up lord god and in jesus name we pray amen i love you guys bye so before we get to our prophecy update today I want to respond to a number of online members who have asked a couple of questions, one of which is about Amir Sarfati. We had, a number of weeks ago, asked for prayer for Amir. He had inadvertently left his uh, visa, travel visa, on a recent flight from the U.S. back to Israel and uh, had to apply for a travel visa replacement, which God, in his goodness, uh, granted. He was able to obtain it. And as such, we're going to have Amir here on Thursday, August 4th, and also on Sunday, August 7th, Sunday morning. Uh, I will be here as well. In fact, I'm hoping to, on Saturday, August 6th, Lord willing, have Amir uh, do sort of an interview. We'll, we're, we're working on it now. We're going to uh, record it. We'll put it on YouTube, but we're also hoping to uh, do a Facebook Live, which would enable us to have interactions. So wherever you're at in the world, you can log on to Facebook, and if you have a question, then you can ask, and we'll kind of go down in real time. And there's many things that I really want to talk with Amir about, and there are many things that I know Amir is going to be talking about by way of Bible prophecy. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you how blessed we are to have Amir here. He is making a special trip here for us exclusively. We're the only place <laughs> on the islands that... <laughs> is, is that bad? That's bad, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Is that pride? Yes, it is. I'm humble about my pride. I just want you to know. I'm kind of proud of my humility. But anyway... Uh, He's speaking on the mainland, but we're the only place that he's uh, going to be here in Hawaii. I want to also mention that 
Uh, we're going to, because communion is usually on the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have our communion Sunday this coming Sunday, the 28th, instead of the 7th. I don't want to cannibalize his time while he's here. We're gonna, he told me he would commit to give me four days. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I get a mere all to myself. I'll share them with you on Thursday night, Sunday, and then, of course, Saturday morning. Uh, but here's the thing, and I, this is why I wanted to uh, do this at this time for the benefit of the online church. I think I've shared this. Uh, it's been a while since I have, so uh, this is probably as good of a time as any to share this. I've had a vision and a dream for many, many years to have what I'll call the Super Bowl of Prophecy Conferences. And I want, Lord willing, to, in our new building, our new beautiful church building, I want to bring in some of the best Bible prophecy teachers in the world today here. There's usually no problem getting someone to come to Oahu. Now, if we were on Ohio, or in Ohio, that might be a different story, but usually no problem getting guys to come to Hawaii, but I envision even, Lord willing, next year, as early as next year, having a prophecy conference in our new building. And this is kind of the method behind the madness, for lack of a better way of saying it, uh, to have Amir out at the building. I want to give people, I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone, sorry for the metaphor, but I, I want to give people online uh, an idea of how f- far along we are in the building. And they're asking about the building update. People are financially supporting this. And by the way, on the financial end of it, I've been asked, how's it going? Uh, we're still tracking for October, Lord willing, but uh, this is what it is right now. It is by faith in the sense that every time we put our hand into the basket, as it were, there's more fish and there's more loaves. And that's not an exaggeration. Listen, I I have to be uh, very candid with you. I chafe at the notion of having to walk by faith. And you're not any better than me, so don't look all spiritual, right? I mean, what is it about us that wants to walk by sight? And but but sight doesn't please the Lord. Faith pleases the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so God has seen fit to bring us to what I believe is the home stretch. I mean, in theory, we could be in that building within less than 90 days, a little over 60 days. And believe me, I've asked the Lord, Lord, why couldn't you just provide all the money and we could just do it? And he said, no, (laughs) it's the work I'm doing in you, me. (laughs) I've been walking with you for over 30 years. I've already passed this test. No, you haven't. So it's uh, my fault, I guess. But anyway, but how exciting. Terrifying, yes, but exciting. And I think back to a prayer that I prayed early on. I said, Lord, when we get into this building, I want to stand before this wonderful congregation that I have the privilege to pastor and say, look at what God did. And moreover, look at the way God did it. So that there's ever a forensic investigation, my fingerprints and DNA is nowhere to be found on the scene. It's all Him. It's all Him.
and to his glory. So let's get to our prophecy update. For today, I think it's incumbent upon me to address the recent developments concerning Turkey and in so doing attempt to answer a prophecy question that has presented itself as of late, especially in light of and on the heels of this coup in Turkey last week. What I'm speaking of is the question related to Turkey being the nation at the helm with Iran instead of Russia, as some are suggesting. In Ezekiel 38, which we'll get to in a moment, we're told that Magog and Persia, which is Iran, will lead this alliance of nations listed there by their ancient names in an attack against Israel. And some today are suggesting that it is not Russia, rather it is Turkey and Iran. And I would argue that it is not Turkey and Iran, it is Russia and Iran. And I want to preface this by once again encouraging you to be like the Bereans in Acts 17.11 and search the scriptures for yourself. Never take mine or anybody else's word for it. Always go to the word of God. And like the Bereans, search the scriptures for yourself. Do it for yourself. Do it for yourself. What follows are two of the main reasons that I believe Russia and Iran are at the helm of this Ezekiel 38 prophecy. Now, please know that while I don't believe Turkey is in the place of Russia, I do believe that Turkey is included in the nations along with Russia and Iran. And the first reason is because of the record in the Old Testament, namely that of First Chronicles, which we actually finally started on Thursday night. By the way, for those of you who weren't here or didn't watch online Thursday night's Bible study, we went through nine chapters of genealogies. I want you to know we got treasures in heaven, man. We went through nine chapters of boring genealogies. Not so boring, by the way, as those who were here discovered. So, for those of you who weren't, we're going to go through not all, <laughs> not all nine chapters, but I would like to share with you, uh, in part, some very fascinating information that is woven into the fabric of the genealogy in First Chronicles chapter 1. I want to start reading in verse 4 because it is, by the way, you know those websites, Ancestry websites, where you can go and you, you know, sign up and you can find out who your ancestors were? I don't want to do that. I am scared to death of what I might find if I do that. <laughs> my, my greatest fear is that if I did that, I would find out that somehow is related to Yasser Arafat, which would just be devastating. So I don't, you know that, that saying, ignorance is bliss? I just want to be blissful and stay ignorant. I don't want to know who my, my uh, ancestors were. But all of us came, think about this, all of us came from either Shem, Ham, or Japheth. 
uh, the three, three sons of Noah post-flood. We all came from Adam, but more specifically post-flood. We all come from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now I want to read from verse 5. The sons of Japheth were Gomer. Stop right there. Gomer is the modern-day region that we know today as Turkey. Magog is the next one. This is the modern-day area known as Russia. Right out of the chute, verse 2, 1 Chronicles chapter 1, we have answers to the prophecy found in Ezekiel 38. Turkey is not Magog. Turkey is Gomer. Gomer. And we're going to see that. Then the next one that's listed is Madai. These are the Medes we know today as Iran. Javan is the next one. These are the ancient Hellenistic people we know today as Greece. Then, and these are going to sound familiar, Tubal, Meshach. Meshach is not a transliteration of Moscow in Russia. Meshach and Tubal with it are tribes of people from the area known today as modern-day Russia. The next one is Tiras. This is a mention of a seafaring people, also from the Mediterranean area known today as modern-day Greece. Verse 6, we have the sons of Gomer. This is where it gets more detailed. The first one listed is Ashkenaz. This is the area of the Black Sea. Diphath. This is northern Israel. And then here it is, Tugarma. Tugarma. What is Tugarma? Modern-day Turkey. Verse 7, the sons of Javan were Elisha. This is modern-day Cyprus. And then this is interesting, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Tarshisha. What's Tarshisha? That's verse 13 is equal 38. Tarshish. Tarshish. Who are they? Possibly modern-day Spain and or England. The next one is Katim. This is also possibly Cyprus. And Rodanim. This is a portion of modern-day Greece. Then we get to the sons of Ham, verse 8. They were Cush, who's Cush? Southern Egypt, northern Ethiopia, and northern Sudan. The next one is Misraim. This is an ancient name for Egypt. The next one is Put. Are these sounding like the lineup in Ezekiel 38? Put. Who's, who's Put? Modern-day Libya and North Africa and Canaan. This is a portion of modern-day Israel. And the sons of Cush were Seba, this is northern Egypt, Havilah, this is the Arabian Peninsula, Sabta, this is the western shore of the Persian Gulf, which again today would be known as Saudi Arabia, Ra'ama, and Septecha, this is southern Arabia. The sons of Ra'ama were, and here it is, Sheba and Dedan. That again is southern Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, which is today Saudi Arabia. Now, verse 17. We have the sons of Shem. They were Elam. This is part of modern-day Iran. Asher, Arfaxad, Lud. This is part of ancient Assyria. And let me just quickly say that the ancient Assyrian Empire comprised of what today is known as the Levant. You know what the Levant is? It's that land area that is what the Islamic State 
is trying to establish the caliphate in. And oh, by the way, it just so happens to be the exact borders of the original promised land. I was sharing on Thursday night that um, my blood pressure was getting too low, and so I decided to watch the Republican convention. That took care of it right away. I'm feeling much better now. Thank you. So they have this one guy that's speaking, and I usually have my TVs on mute, but I, there was something about him. He looked like he was from the Middle East. I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unmute and started listening. Very articulate. Very well-spoken. Apparently a good friend, a, a fellow billionaire friend of Donald Trump. And he says, I am of Lebanese descent. Ah, I knew it. I can spot him a mile away, you know. <laughs> and then he said this, and I just, ah! He said, I come from generations of people from the Levant. He didn't just say that, did he? Yes, he did. Why does that upset me? Well, it should upset you too. Why is it, by the way, that the President of the United States of America will only always say, ISIL? Never once will you hear him say, nor have you ever heard him say, the Islamic State. You'll never hear him say ISIS. He'll only say ISIL. Why? Because ISIL is the acronym for the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. Every time anyone, I don't care who they are, says ISIL, they do so deliberately and it is a spit in the face of Almighty God and God's people, Israel. Because the Levant moves Israel and pushes them into the sea and wipes them off the map. And that is exactly what we see in Scripture. Am I yelling? I'm sorry, I'm yelling. Again, the ancient Assyrian Empire was the Levant of today. Now think about that. It's this ancient Assyrian Empire as an enemy of Israel that has been repackaged by none other than the devil himself. He's just got new wrapping paper on it. This is the area that is known today as Syria, Mesopotamia, and that's my birthplace in the area of modern-day Lebanon. Uz, Hul, Gether, and here's another one, Meshach we talked about. Arafak said, begot Shallah, and Shallah, interesting, begot Eber. Who's Eber? Oh, interesting. This is where we get the word Hebrew. And here's how. In Genesis 14, 13, Abraham is referred to as the Hebrew. Why? Because Abraham is a descendant of Eber. Hebrew. That's where we get Hebrew. Hebrew. Where do we get Jew? It's sort of an abbreviation for Judah. Instead of calling them Judahites, they're called Jews. And that's why we call them modern-day Hebrews or Jews. And then it says, To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Let's uh, superimpose the template of this boring genealogy in First Chronicles uh, over onto Ezekiel 38. Let me read verses 1 through 6. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land 
of Magog. The chief prince, by the way, in some of your translations, chief prince is Rosh. That is not a transliteration for Rasha. You know what that is? That's a, a man. And it means head, chief. It's the same word in Hebrew as it is in my native tongue of Arabic. In Arabic, uh, the word for head is Ras. In, in Hebrew, they don't, they don't pronounce it the S-S. They, it's sh, like Yeshua, Jesus in Arabic, is Yeshua in Hebrew. So what does that mean? If I were to say to you in Arabic, Ana Rasi Batwajani, what I've just said is my head is aching or hurting me. Okay? This is the, the head, the rash, the ras, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, verse 3, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince, there it is again, of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And verse 5, Persia, Iran, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And then here's Turkey, verse 6, Gomer, Gomer, and all his bands, and notice, semicolon, the house of Togarma. This is Turkey. Gomer, all his bands, the house of Togarma, the, of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. And when you get to verse 13, you find Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish or Tarshisha. And we talked about this in the context of the stunning developments concerning the Brexit or British exit from the European Union. Well, let's move on. This brings us to the second reason as to why I believe it has to be Russia and Iran and not Turkey and Iran. And by the way, this matters. I don't do this just for fun. We need to know what we believe, but we also need to know why we believe what we believe. And here's the reason why we need to know why we believe what we believe. If I'm uncertain as to what the Scriptures say, especially as it relates to Bible prophecy, it's going to have a profound impact on how I live my life in these last days. Because if it's not Russia and it's Turkey, well then, that kind of changes the complexion of the geopolitical landscape if I can say it that way. I need to understand that what is happening in Turkey right now and what is still happening in Russia, and we're going to talk about Syria in a moment as well, are exactly what we're told would happen in Scripture. And if I'm kind of fuzzy on it, then it's going to become confusing and it won't all fit. And then I sort of open myself up to all kinds of misinterpretations and misunderstandings when it comes to Bible prophecy. By the way, and man, I, why do I do this to myself? Um, this can lead to the false teachings that ensue, such as that of replacement theology. It's real subtle, by the way. Because if I don't 
understand the why behind the what, as it were, I'm, I'm kind of opening myself up to, well, if that means that, then this must mean this. And you get too dangerously close to false doctrines. Satan's the author of confusion. And God is not playing a chess game with us when it comes to Bible prophecy. God wants us to be prophecy privy. Does that make sense? Some of you are going, prophecy? What? He wants us to be savvy when it comes to prophecy. He wants us to understand Bible prophecy. Why do you think so much of the Bible is prophecy? (laughs) Well, the nations who today, you see it there on the screen, I... This is a a slide that I've worked on over the years. The the ones in white are the ones mentioned in Ezekiel 38. The ones in yellow are the ones conspicuously absent from Ezekiel 38. Some suggest the yellow ones are Psalm 83, which, by the way, again, is what I'm going to talk with Amir uh, about when he's here. He has some profound insight into specifically prophecies like Ezekiel 38, and he has an interesting take on Psalm uh, 83 as well. But all of these nations are perfectly posturing themselves exactly as we're told that they would in the aforementioned prophecy of Ezekiel. Not just the ones that are present in, in Ezekiel 38, but the ones who are also absent from Ezekiel 38. They're all perfectly positioned. Now, hear, hear me out on this. I believe, and I've talked about this prior, that these nations who were not in position even five years ago are very unlikely to still be in position five years from now. Let me try to explain that. This, by the way, is what I refer to as Bible prophecy having a shelf life. There's a certain expiration date on Bible prophecy. Five years ago, Turkey wasn't where Turkey is. Russia and Iran were not where Russia and Iran are. And you can just go right on down the list of all of the nations who today stand at the ready to fulfill exactly what we're told in Bible prophecy. Now, I would contend that the developments in Turkey support this notion of striking while the iron is hot. You've heard that expression? In other words, there's, a, there's an expiration date. There's only a, a small window of opportunity here. And we've got to take advantage of it. And that's how I see Turkey today. Consider this Fox News article from Wednesday. They report on how the Turkish coup attempt has spawned conspiracy theories and bolstered Erdogan's clout, big time, by the way. Let me just briefly quote from the report. Last week's failed coup attempt left Turkish President Erdogan in such a strong position that many Turks and others believe he himself engineered it, or at the very least knew of it, and let it play out to his advantage. Whether the coup attempt was authentic, staged, or tolerated, Erdogan has taken full advantage. On Tuesday, the government escalated its crackdown on people it claims 
have ties with Gulen. Who's he? We'll talk about him in a moment. Firing nearly 24,000 teachers. Wait a minute. This wasn't a, t a teacher coup. Oh. <laughs> and interior ministry workers. And demanding the resignations of another 1,577 university deans. What's going on here? The latest purge was in addition to roughly 9,000 people who have been detained by the government, including, listen, police, judges, prosecutors, religious figures, and others. Oh, interesting. I want to recommend two outstanding articles from Joel Rosenberg, of whom I'm a huge fan. Uh, they're on his blog concerning this Fatwallah uh, Gulen. This is an interesting guy. He actually resides here in the United States. <laughs> and according to Rosenberg's first blog, is believed to be the mastermind behind the failed Turkish coup. This is a must-read, as is the second blog, which is about whether or not Gulen, who has said and written terrible things about Christians, Jews, and America, yet he resides here, is a moderate or an arch-conservative Muslim cleric. While I'm at it, I also want to recommend John McTurnan's blog titled Insights, False Flags, and the End of Secularism in Turkey. Let me just quickly read you a uh, part of this commentary. I share it because he has a different take on what's happening in Turkey, and I think it might have some merit. He says, it's becoming clear that the failed coup attempt in Turkey was a false flag. What exactly does that mean? A false flag is a horrific staged event blamed on a political enemy and used as a pretext to start a war or enact draconian laws in the name of national security. Does that sound a little familiar? The term comes from naval warfare where one ship would attempt to deceive another by raising a flag other than its own or hiding its own flag in order to get close enough to inflict a blow or capture an enemy ship. With the success of Erdogan's false flag, the entire situation in the Middle East will be changed as he moves toward total Islamization of Turkey and works toward creation of the caliphate he long has envisioned, wow, wow. I know that's a kind of a commonly used word, but for lack of a better one, wow. I know I run the risk of complicating even more an already complicated dynamic in the Middle East, but I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't mention uh, Syria and how that factors into the equation because everything is interconnected and conspicuously absent from Ezekiel's prophecy is amongst others Bashar al-Assad's Syria and I mention this because of this intersecting component of Bible prophecy in the sense that what's happening in Turkey intersects with and has a profound impact on the entire Middle East and supremely Israel. 
as I want to mention here uh, at the end. On Friday, Ynet News reported that Assad had weighed in on the situation and Turkey, no surprise, saying that Erdogan is imposing an Islamist agenda after the coup. And he is. He is. Here's some of what Ynet News had to report. Syria accused Turkish President Erdogan on Thursday of exploiting a failed coup to implement a harsh Islamist agenda that endangers Turkey and its neighbors. You have to understand that Turkey heretofore has been largely, especially militarily, a secularist nation. Enter one Erdogan and he's changing everything and establishing this caliphate. And right now it's a war, not just with Islam, but within Islam. Because you have Sunni Islam on one side and you have Shia Islam on the other. And to understand the difference between the two, if you figure that out, let me know. I would love to talk with you. <laughs> because they both have basically the same ideology, but their interpretation of eschatology, end times events, differs. And therein lies the chief difference between Shia and Sunni Islam. Well, the article goes on to say that Erdogan used the coup to implement an extremist agenda. The agenda of, listen, get this, the Muslim Brotherhood. Remember them? Inside Turkey? Oh! Say no more! Say no more! No wonder the President of the United States supports Erdogan. Oh! You need look no further than to what happened in Egypt with one Mohammed Mursi when the Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt and the President of the United States was instrumental in getting Husni Mubarak out. Thank God for Isaiah 19. Oh, by the way, just so you know, Isaiah 17 is a prophecy in real time concerning Syria. I hope you know that. Isaiah 17, Jeremiah 49 and 50. And then go to Isaiah 19. It is a fabulous prophecy about Egypt that is now being fulfilled as we speak. Starting from the uprising, that's the first three verses in Isaiah 19, all the way to the end. And I, I love Isaiah 19 because it says of Egypt in the end, they come to a saving knowledge of the God of Israel and God calls the Egyptian people, my people, his people, my people Egypt, my people Egypt. Egypt comes to Christ. Egypt is saved. Many believe in the millennium. We will see Egypt, God's people, in the millennium. And for all eternity, God loves Egyptians. I told you last week, Arab lives matter. <laughs> he, God loves me. <laughs> he likes me too. He may not, but He does. <laughs> so, where was I? This, we're almost done. Just don't leave yet. Um, the article goes on to say that relations between Assad and Erdogan, once close allies, soured after the start of Syria's conflict in 2011. Damascus accuses Ankara of fueling the civil war by supporting Islamist insurgents 
and allowing foreign jihadists to cross into Syria. Listen, in the interest of time, I'm going to try to give you a, sort of a summary here. But if you were to ask me why it is that I'm so sure it's Russia and Iran at the helm, uh, it would have to be because of this now renewed relationship between Putin and Erdogan. Last Sunday, Hurriyet Daily News, which is out of Turkey, published this very telling article about how Putin and Erdogan next month, August, next month, that's only, that's next week, next week, in August, sometime, they're going to meet with the hopes of starting a new era in Turkey-Russia ties. Perfect. Everything is going perfectly according to schedule. Well, let me bring it to a close here and share with you this article I found most interesting from the Jerusalem Post. It provides us this explanation as to how all of this aligning of the nations, like Russia, Iran, Turkey, et al., all started about 10 years ago. Let me just quote Netanyahu. A direct line can be drawn between Israel's battle against Hezbollah 10 years ago and events today in the Middle East. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called the Second Lebanon War a promo to the battle between extremists and moderates the region is now witnessing. Hezbollah was and remains an Iranian emissary in the region, as is Hamas. But radical Shia Islam is not alone, he noted, adding that Sunni fundamentalists, led by the Islamic State, is competing with them, and not only drowning the region in blood, but also spreading fires to countries and continents far away. Israel is the forward bastion of the democratic world, a wedge between culture and barbarism. Netanyahu said Israel's experience in dealing with the challenge of terrorism are copied sooner or later around the world. To those still living in denial, please listen to this. Quoting Prime Minister Netanyahu, to those still living in denial, the time has come to open your eyes. Well said. Well said. And that's how I want to close. Would to God that it can and would be said of us that our eyes are open. May it never be said of us that we're numbered amongst those who today are in denial, looking at what's happening in the world and shutting our ears and covering our eyes to it. Would to God that we would be those whose eyes are not only open, but are looking up, for our redemption draweth nigh. Let me just say lastly, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would implore you today to call upon Him. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says that all have sinned. No one is righteous, 
Not even one. That's the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every man, woman, and child who was born is born a sinner. That's why you need to be born again. How do you be born again? Romans says, All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And I want to just say it again, Romans 10, 13, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's, the promise of promises, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you to do so today as we close in prayer. Why don't you please stand? Thank you for your patience, by the way. Lord, Thank you. Thank you that we have in your word the details of what the world is going to look like at the time of the end. Clearly, Lord, we are at the end. And now is the time. And Lord, I would ask that if there's anybody in this church here today or watching this by some other way that has never called upon you, believing in their heart and confessing with their mouths that they would do so today, that the enemy would not be allowed to delay them or distract them from making the most important decision they will ever make for all eternity. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom, brothers and sisters, by the Christ, bride of Christ. This is the Papas of the Most Highest God. The Lord had asked me to come down and show how the heavens were here in Colorado. These clouds are so different than any other cloud that the Lord has destruction is going to 
me take a nap today. And he spoke to me as I was sleeping. He was telling me many things are going to take place that are prophetic to tell the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, to be looking up. Yes, it's time to look up for our redemption. Draw us nigh. Be blessed. Shalom. And we are out of here. We are truly getting ready to get out of here. See you in the air. I love you all. Shalom. back of it where the heel is it just completely come off and uh, and I just thought wow you know I could never use these shoes again and um, and that was it and then the other dream was that I was sobbing crying like very intense crying and uh, so I did some research on this dream and um I was amazed to see what I found. Um, all right, so the shoes, when, when the heel of a shoe is broken or comes off, it this is what I was led to, you know, reading, you know, interpretations and dreams and stuff. Um, it says <clears throat> it implies the conclusion of one's life in this world and his judgment in the hereafter okay I'm like what are you serious the conclusion of one's life in this world in other words over okay so you know I'm thinking the Lord is coming because he didn't tell me I'm going to die. You know, I feel strong that I'm going to go up 
in his catching away, you know. And um, then when I thought, okay, I can't use the shoes anymore, right? And then here it says, discard shoes. What does it mean? It means leaving the past or old way of life behind, leaving a long-established role. Well, <laughs> sounds like my life, a long-established role. Leaving it behind. Then I thought, okay, what about the weeping? What about the sorrow dream? And then I, the Lord led me to that scripture in Romans 8:19. It says, "For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself." also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And here it is. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And I believe that's why some of us are feeling that side of it. It kind of goes together. It's just part of life on this end of it, you know, you know, in the human condition. So, um, to me, that's totally, I mean, I've never had a dream like this before where something implies the end of my life in this world. I mean, this is amazing to me. And uh, it's good news, okay? And the judgment in the hereafter, I mean, wow. So, um, you know, at a time like this, you know, I'm, you know, for a lot of reasons, I feel like this is a high watch for the Lord's appearing, and um, so all I can say is I hope you're encouraged by this, because I really am. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, this is the best dream I could have had, and who would have thought, you know, when you just look at the dream itself? So uh, anyway, um, just wanted to let you all hear that one and uh, stay encouraged. The Lord is coming soon. Okay, love you all. Bye. you heart dwellers with a teachable spirit and open hearts. Well, I just like everyone else have been struggling with what looks like a word on timing that's difficult to reconcile with what I believe Jesus has told us. The only exception that could qualify it is when the Lord last brought the subject up and he said, minutes, minute by minute. Since then, I've gotten numerous people declaring I said this and I said that. One in particular said, She told us the day the Dome of the Rock was bombed would be the day of the rapture. 
No, that's not what I said. You misunderstood. I said the day Miami was bombed. The Lord told me when you see the bombing of the Dome of the Rock, drop to your knees. That's the beginning of World War III. So, that clarified, let's move on. It has deeply troubled me that there is still no sign of the Lord's coming, according to what he's told me. I had a very heavy burden for it all day today. So when I came into prayer, I was aching inside, and I felt the Lord was going to speak to me about this very topic. And he did. Here's what transpired. Lord, what am I to tell them? I'm responsible for every word before you. I'm responsible before you for every word. And I'm not feeling the urgency. There is again a lull in my sense of imminence of your coming for us. Please, Lord, what am I to tell them? And he answered me, Tell them to stop praying for their relatives. Tell them to stop praying for their country. Tell them to stop praying for the world. Then I will come much sooner. Am I to ignore the believers that fast and pray and gather together, praying for the nation? Am I to turn a deaf ear to my people when they humble themselves and turn to me? There he's quoting Second Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He continued, It's just as simple as that, Claire. If you are in such a hurry to be raptured, then stop praying. But Lord, the way I see it, forgive me if I'm wrong, there are three kinds of believers, the weary and well-doing, the bridesmaids that ran out of oil but are still waiting for your return. Then the true lovers who are also waiting and longing but are doing all in their power to bring all mankind to you. Their lamps are still full. They are the ones who are holding back the rapture, even though they look like the ones who can't wait anymore. And those who have been born again but are busy in the world and don't want to hear about your coming. Is this your thinking or mine? He answered me, It's mine. I have put these thoughts in your mind so I could help you to see where you stand before me. The ones who are anxious and in a hurry for me to come have not conquered their flesh yet. They are wavering, growing weary, and even falling asleep. Their lamps are empty. They react badly when I am delayed, to the point of wanting to give up and fall in with the rest of the world. Not at all concerned about the lost they don't see. Yes, they give lip service and pray, but they'd rather be raptured now than suffer any more for the sake of the millions who are yet unsaved. They do not see as I see, think as I think, nor feel as I feel. Many on our channel are this way, my bride. My brides, I love you, but you must see yourselves in my mirror if what is left of your life is truly an offering to me. 
the ones who are in the forefront of ministry working hard while the day yet dawns, they are my lovers. They are the very ones who will be raptured, even against their will on a certain level. They are so in love with me and dedicated to my agenda that they pray for the nation and the world, expecting me to hear them and grant leniency and mercy. These are the ones I am eager to have with me in heaven. They are the bridesmaids with full lanterns, with lamps. They are the bridesmaids with lamps full of oil. Then there are what I call the worldly and truly backslidden Christians who do what is convenient. They support missions, give to ministries, and lead the good life, enjoying certain aspects of the world. They too pray, but when push comes to shove, they will bail out, or perhaps snap too. They are not well acquainted with suffering, not on the same scale as the lovers are. Now I will address the readings you got for your service. I had a communion service just before I came into prayer. And before I share that with you, dear ones, I want to tell you about the service James, the brother of Jesus, established around 50 AD. Many of the liturgical churches use this form in the present day, and I love it because it gives readings from the Psalms, the letters, the Old Testament, and the New. And the form that it comes in is called a missal. I use the one for Sunday because it has lots of readings in it. I use it for a rhema. <laughs> I've rarely gotten a service that was not a direct rhema to my situation with all these different readings backing it up. So lately I've been taking readings from the missal at random according to Holy Spirit's choosing. Now I'll proceed with the Lord explaining them to us. The first reading, Lord, where do you want to start? In Peter, he answered. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That's Second Peter 3.8. Stop here, Jesus said. Yes, in heaven, time is altogether different. But when I speak to you, I speak of earth time, because that is what you live and understand. I do not speak to you in the heavenly concept of time. Continue. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus began again. You look at me and pray, Lord, have mercy on my family. Am I a deaf idol, or do I respond by granting mercy? You pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Am I again as one who cannot hear? You weep over the rejection your relatives give you when they mock you. Am I not weeping with you? Do your tears and agony not move my heart to pity them and give them more grace, more time, and more mercy? Those who continually say, My mercy is at an end are wrong. My mercy is everlasting from age to age. And then he quickened this uh, scripture to me. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's Lamentations 3.23. My people, you must take into consideration that my heart is pure gold, pure love, pure good. I abhor judgment. I hate having to met out judgment. You have no way to reckon the pain I suffer at judgment. The murder of innocent children, pregnant women, young children. You have no idea what it costs me to met out judgment. So it shouldn't surprise you that I'm anxious to answer prayers for mercy. Have I not been telling you to pray? Have you not been praying for the unsaved in your families? So I ask you to pray. You pray and I ignore you? Is that the kind of God you suppose I am? What did Jonah do when the people were not slain in my anger? Are you not just like him? You prophesied judgment and I relented because they repented. Now you want to lay down and die? Are you not all just like Jonah? I chide you, my bride. I'm not condemning you. I'm drawing your attention to what is lacking before the saints in heaven. They see this lack and they pray for mercy for you. And by the way, this knee-jerk reaction you have to anyone in heaven praying for you comes from the enemy. It's pure nonsense, literally. Shall not those in union with me weep when I weep? Rejoice when I rejoice? Pray when I pray? You ask your friends to pray for you, but the cloud watching your every move, they can't? 